Hi, my name is Brian, and I'm the lead pastor at Grand Valley Church. We hope that this message helps you explore faith and connect with Jesus. How stressed are you feeling today? On a scale of 1 to 10, what number do you think you'd put yourself at? Where 1 is no stress at all, and 10 is stress to the maximum. Now, you don't have to text in your answer or tell anyone who's sitting in the room with you right now. But I just want you to think about that for a moment because chances are that number might be higher than it was before March. Right now, a lot of us are experiencing higher levels of stress than before. And so that's why we're beginning a new series today called Rest for the Stressed. A while ago, I did a series that was all about preventing burnout and preventing stress from overwhelming us. And something I talked about in that series was how this metaphor of a ship sailing at sea And how a ship, you know, back in the days before GPS and back in the days before the advanced navigation stuff we have now, a ship could only navigate a storm based on the lighthouses that were built before the storms hit. But what do you do when the storm's already all around us? You can't exactly build a lighthouse to warn you away from the rocks and to guide you to your destination when the storm is already happening. And so when we're in a storm, when we're stressed, we have to take a different approach. And what I want to do in this series is tackle this question. How do you rest when you're stressed? How do we find rest? How do we find relaxation? How do we find the things that recharge us when we're already in a stressed mindset, when we can't just fall back to what we did before? Now, maybe you're like me where being stressed kind of comes out in ways like your mind just never seems to turn off. Even when you lay down in bed to go to sleep, your mind is still running, thinking about the next challenge, the next, you know, peace to overcome. And something that science has kind of proven time and time again is that if we're under a short-term, low-to-mild stress, it can actually be beneficial for our cognitive thinking, creative thinking, problem-solving. But if we're under a long-term high stress it actually lowers our cognitive ability. It makes it so that the normal tasks that we would do often take longer to do when we're under this constant level of stress. So what are we going to do about it? How are we going to find rest? And how are we going to find things that minimize that stress to let us focus on what's truly important? And so today, we're going to begin by talking about a metaphor that I think will help us understand this concept of stress and finding rest in it. And I want to dig back to one of my background before I was a pastor. And one of the the jobs that I had for a, a time period and a job I actually quite enjoyed was working as a live sound tech. I used to take a van and a trailer full of gear, set it up, run sound for any type of concert, you name it. Around here, it was a lot of country music, and I'm not a country music fan at all, but I, you know, by the end of those couple of years, I knew a lot of country songs. But in the audio world, there's a lot of terms and a lot of specific technicalities and things that you have to learn. And uh, I've actually been spending more time in that world as we've been you know, making these online services and getting ourselves ready to move towards in-person services when we get out of this red stage. But there's some terms that I want to introduce to you about sound that help us understand stress. And this first term that I want to introduce to you is called noise floor. And the noise floor is the background sounds of an environment or setting. And so if you just pause and listen for a moment, what do you hear? Maybe you're hearing your kids screaming and fighting in the other room. You know, 
that might be it. Maybe you're hearing, you know, one of your appliances running or a bit of wind noise from outside. You know, here I can hear a slight bit of a buzzing from the stage lights and the cooling fan and the projector that's running the screen on the back wall. But the noise floor in every environment is always there. It's always this baseline level. And if you think about pre-pandemic days when you could eat in a crowded restaurant, the noise floor was much higher as there's the music, there's people talking, people laughing, people having a good time. All that background noise forms the noise floor of a setting. But then the other term I want to introduce to you is called the signal. And the signal is the desired sound. It's what you're trying to focus on. So if you're you know, in a restaurant having a meal with someone, it's the conversation with the people across the table. Maybe right now it's you know, my voice speaking to you through your TV or your laptop or your phone telling you about this is the signal you're trying to focus on. Now where this gets important is there's something called the signal-to-noise ratio, and that is the ratio or the gap between the signal amplitude, meaning the volume of the signal, compared to the noise floor amplitude. And the bigger that gap is between the noise floor and the signal, the easier it is to hear the signal, the clearer it will sound. Now, if you're in an environment where the noise floor is really loud, you kind of have to crank up the signal. But the problem with that is if you overdrive the signal, it can distort and get harder to hear. And if it gets too loud, our ears start to hurt. And so then if you want the signal to be clearer, you have to lower the noise floor. Now, what does this have to do with stress? And I want to take a path to get there. And I want to take you all the way back to 852 BC. So this is about 80-ish years after the kingdom of Israel split in half. They had their own little internal civil war, their own little internal struggles, and the nation divided into the north half kept the name Israel, the southern half became Judah. And at this time period, in 852, the kings of these two nations are on friendly terms. They've built an alliance. And Israel and Judah have this alliance, and they get together for a banquet. And here's what happens. King Ahab of Israel says to King Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to Ramoth-Gilead? And Ramoth-Gilead was a city that used to be part of the nation of Israel, but had been conquered several years or decades earlier. We don't know exactly when. And Ahab wants to reconquer this city to bring it back into his nation. So he says, will you go to war with me? And King Jehoshaphat of Judah says, why, of course, you and I are as one and my troops are your troops. We will certainly join you in battle. Let's go to war together. But then Jehoshaphat says something. He adds on, he says, but first, let's find out what the Lord has to say. So the king of Israel summoned the prophets, 400 of them, and asked them, should we go to war against Ramoth-Gilead or should I hold back? And they all replied, yes, go right ahead. God will give the king victory. All 400 of them give the exact same message, go to war, you'll have victory. But Jehoshaphat asked, is there not also a prophet of the Lord here? We should ask him the same question. So Jehoshaphat realizes something. These 400 prophets, they are not prophets of God. They are prophets of other pagan gods and deities and other nations' gods that happen to be in Israel because King Ahab was not considered one of the good kings. In fact, none of the kings of Israel were declared good in Scripture, meaning did they uphold the law? Did they lead people closer to God? King Ahab did not do that. 
But King Jehoshaphat asked this question, well, where's the prophet of our Lord? Where's the prophet of Yahweh? Where is the prophets that worship the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, our ancestors? Where is our prophet? And so the king of Israel replies to Jehoshaphat, there is one more man who could consult the Lord for us, but I hate him. He never prophesies anything but trouble for me. His name is Micaiah, son of Imlah. So King Ahab does not like Micaiah because he says he always prophesies trouble. And right away, King Jehoshaphat kind of chastises King Ahab and says, that's not how a king should speak, but let's send for him anyways. And so they send a messenger to go find Micaiah and bring him to the banquet to speak to the two kings. And this messenger, as he finds him and as he's bringing him, even says to him, hey, be careful because all 400 prophets have said, go to war, you'll have victory. But when Micaiah arrives before the king, Ahab asks him, Micaiah, should we go to war against Ramoth-Gilead or should I hold back? And Micaiah replied sarcastically, yes, go and be victorious for you will have victory over them. And Ahab sees through this and he, the king replies sharply, he says, how many times must I demand that you speak only the truth to me when you speak for the Lord? So Ahab knows that Micaiah is being sarcastic, and he knows that every time previously, Micaiah has prophesied trouble for Ahab. And so Micaiah tells King Ahab and King Josephat this. He says, in a vision, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, their master has been killed. Send them home in peace. So he tells Ahab, if you go to war, Your armies, your whole nation will become a sheep without a shepherd. Their master, you the king, will be killed. And so send the people home. Don't continue the battle. Now, King Ahab and King Jehoshaphat have a choice to make. Will they listen to the 400 or will they listen to Micaiah? Will they listen to the 400 that speak loudly and forcefully and dramatically saying, yes, go to war? Or will they listen to the one voice that said, no, this is not the choice? Now, they, all 400 of those prophets agreed, but Jehoshaphat pointed out the problem. They were not prophets worth listening to because they were not prophets of God. And so they are stuck with a decision to make. Who are they going to listen to? Now, the story in, in Second Chronicles doesn't tell us how stressed Ahab or Jehoshaphat were. It doesn't tell them what kind of mental state they were in, what they were facing at the time more than this. We just get this little picture of this time in history. But one of the things that I know about us is that our stress level might be making it harder for us to hear what we need to hear. Sometimes when we are stressed, we may miss what is obvious. We may miss what is important. And we sometimes just go with what we think we already know because obviously Ahab wants to go to war, wants to conquer this this city. He wants Jehoshaphat to back him up in this war. But he doesn't really want to hear what Micaiah has to say. And so I think that Ahab let his biases make the decision for him. He says, Micaiah, you're prophesy. you always prophesy something that's wrong and troublesome and problems for me, so I'm going to dismiss you, and I'm going to go with the 400 that are saying what I already agree with. I'm going to choose to follow that. So they've got this question, which voice is worth listening to? And so I think Ahab chooses 
the 400. Now, here's what happens. They go off to war. So obviously, they picked the path of the 400. And here is how the chronicler tells this story. He says, an Aramean soldier, however, randomly shot an arrow at the Israelite troops and hit the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. Now, it says he randomly shot the arrow because King Ahab did not wear his royal robes or his royal armor into battle. He dressed himself as a common soldier, hoping that he could just hide amongst the fray of the battle and not be singled out and targeted the way that a king would be targeted when they go to war. But King Ahab, this random arrow, hits him between the joints of his armor. It says, the battle raged all that day, and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot. In the evening, just as the sun was setting, he died. And that's the end of the story. That's it. So Ahab listened to the noise of the 400 prophets rather than listening to the one prophet who had the truth. See, the noise floor of his stress was making it harder for them to hear the truth of what they needed to hear. And we might know that we need to change our pace if we're feeling stressed. We might know that we need to, to make some changes to, you know, what's happening in our lives, what's ha- how we're handling, how we're choosing. And, and we sometimes can't control the circumstances, but we can always choose how we respond. We can always choose to put ourselves in control of how I will respond when things don't go the way I want them to. But how do we do that? What are the changes that we can make that will let us do better turning down the background noise, turning down the stress, turning down the things that bother us. Now, unfortunately, stress is not just a big dial that we can just turn down when we want to feel less stress. Wouldn't it be nice if it was that way? But one of the things we can control, and this is why I started with a sound analogy, and I'm going to come back to talking about sound again, is we can choose to do things that lower the noise floor. We can turn down that background noise that makes it harder for us to hear the things we need to focus on. And so for an example of that, if social media and reading the news is causing you stress, you can create boundaries to limit their effect on you. In fact, you can say, you know what, I'm only going to read the news once a day. You know, it's easy to be inundated with it, but say, no, I'm going to read the the government updates at one o'clock each day, and I'm going to leave it at that. That is a way of limiting the effect it can have on you. In fact, if you find that scrolling through your social media feed is making you stressed and making you even more anxious, stop the scroll. Choose to do something else with your time. Set a boundary. Say, I'm only going to spend this much time looking at social media. Or maybe you need to use that unfollow button and choose to unfollow portions that are making you aggravated. Because when you turn down the background noise, when you turn down those things, you can say, I'm going to choose to focus on what I want to focus on, not the things that will make me more stressed. And part of this limiting the background noise might mean that if you're the kind of person that always has like the radio running or always has a podcast or always has a TV on in the background or Netflix running all the time, maybe sometimes you need to give your mind a break and not just be constantly forcing input at our minds, but actually say, no, no, quiet is good. Quiet gives me time to think and gives me space. Because when we give ourselves space, we may be able to start hearing the voice and the truth that we need to hear. Taking a mental break, 
taking a break from all the inputs and all the voices and all the noise that's constantly being thrown our way can help us reduce that noise floor, can help us reduce that background noise around us. So maybe that mental break means, you know, going for a walk. You know, maybe it means, you know, going for a run if you're a runner or taking some time to just sit and enjoy a cup of tea or a coffee. Taking time to do something simple that doesn't take a lot of brain power, but something that lets you have space to let your mind process what's happening. For me, one of the things that I do is I journal, not every day, but when I have lots of things rattling around in my brain and I need to do something with it, I sit down at a journal and I do this digitally on my computer and I write. And I write and I process out my train of thought. And I often find that leads to clarity. Because in a world of distraction, focus is a superpower. And so lowering that background noise, lowering that noise floor, lets us focus on the signal. It lets us focus on the signal we need to hear, and we actually get to make that louder because as we lower the noise floor, the voices we want to hear, the things we need to hear, the things we need to focus on, the kind of person we want to be, hearing God's voice becomes louder and becomes clearer. Now, elevating what we want to hear means actually choosing what input we're going to take choosing to focus and say, this is what I want to hear. This is what I want to focus on. Now, we have to be careful on that because like King Ahab, we can self-select the ones that agree with our preconceived views. He had some confirmation bias going on. He chose the 400 that gave him the message he wanted to hear rather than listening to the message he didn't want to hear. Now, don't overgeneralize that. Don't make that a blanket statement. Because we can't assume that the loudest voice or the lone voice is always the one with the truth. This is where critical thinking has to come in. We need to ask questions. We need to push. We need to actually wrestle through sometimes, is this true? Because the dissenting voice is not always true. But oftentimes, when we are faced with truth, especially when we are faced with God's truth, it is uncomfortable to us. Because it makes us realize that there are things that are things that we have to change, things that are difficult. Because this is one of the things that I believe, and one of the things that Scripture tells us repeatedly, is that we have access to God's truth and God's voice at any time. But God's voice and God's truth does not force itself upon us. It will not be as loud as all the voices that compete for our attention in our daily lives. It will not be as loud as our stressed out train of thought will be. So we actually have to choose to say, what will we do to amplify the voices that lead us closer to God? What will we do to focus on that? Now, on a soundboard, there's a trick. On a soundboard, there's this neat tool called the solo function. And every channel input has a solo button. And when you press that solo button in your headphones, it mutes everything else except for the channel you pressed solo on. And so on a soundboard, if you ever, you know, when we were here having in-person services before March, if you ever looked back and saw one of our sound techs wearing headphones on, it meant that's what they were doing. They were listening to one specific channel to hear what they needed to do to edit and change the mix to make it pleasing to our ears so that we can be drawn closer to God. Now, 
we can have a solo feature in our relationship with God. And it's called taking time away from the distractions. It's called finding quiet times where we can focus on our faith, where we can focus on praying, where we can focus on reading the Bible. And sometimes that solo doesn't mean it happens alone. Oftentimes for me, I find that what draws me closer to God is having conversations with people about what God is doing in their life and hearing and wrestling through passages of Scripture and talking about what we're learning. And yes, right now we can't gather in person to do that and our our life groups are moving online only, but we live in a world where we have the technology to do that almost any time we want. So, if we can find ways to turn off the distractions, to lower the noise floor, we can amplify God's voice. And in that, we can start seeing what God has to say about when we're stressed out and when we need to find rest. And so I want to wrap up by jumping to the New Testament, by jumping to one of Paul's letters, the letter he wrote to the church of Philippi. And near the end of this, he gives these short little instructions that are so deep and so rich. And he says to them, don't worry about anything. Easier said than done. But here's how you don't worry about anything. He says, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Here is your basic formula for praying. Take what you're worrying about and pray about it. Tell God what you need and thank God for what he's already done. Amen. That's uh, as much as you need to know to know how to pray. But Paul says when you do this, there is a result. When we take what we worry about and we pray about it instead, there is a result. It says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. When we turn down the background noise, when we lower that noise floor, and we amplify God's voice in our lives, we can have this kind of peace. We can have this peace that exceeds what we can understand because that is something that God promises that we can have because of his love for us. So give your stress and your worries to God. Turn down the noise and amplify God's voice. And next week, join us again as we dive into Rest for the Stressed, part two. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you know of someone that would benefit from hearing the message you just listened to, would you do us a favor and share this podcast with them? And while you're at it, please consider subscribing to be the first to hear when our podcast is updated. If you want to join in on Sundays, our services are streaming online at 11 a.m. Central. To find out more about our church, go to mygrandvalley.ca and you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for My Grand Valley. Thanks for listening.